Welcome to episode 16 of the Smash or Pass podcast, part of the Smash Accept network of podcasts. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Joining me as always is my main man, FF Snoog. How you doing tonight, brother? Good. We just finished up graduation. Excited to be focusing on this kind of full time now. And if there's anybody in this world that likes Garrett Wilson as much as me, it's my boy, Ron. So I'm excited to have him on tonight and talk running backs because that's a landscape that's been very overslept on lately, especially with the season so far away. So now's your time to buy running backs, and we're going to tell you which ones to buy. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I went out to – Went out to eat with my mom tonight, and I'm like, you know what? Like, we gotta, we, we just celebrated Mother's Day. We gotta do something for the dads. We gotta do something for Father's Day. You know, that's coming up. And with our Patreon, we wanted to give back. You already had kind of alluded to it, but I went out, pristine auction, got a Garrett Wilson jersey that we are gonna give away in the Patreon. Um, it is absolute fire. You guys gotta, gotta see it on Twitter. If you're in the Patreon and you, you bring anyone else in, you get three entries. Anyone new to the Patreon gets an entry. And, you know, Garrett Wilson, we love him here at Smasher Pass. Also love our, our guest that's on, you know, and also Garrett Wilson's in the background of his Twitter page. A guy that, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been having some great YouTube presence. This guy is included in that great list. My man, Ron Stewart. How are you doing tonight, Ron? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having on me or having me on. Um, excited to uh, talk some running backs. I feel like I haven't really gotten a chance to uh, evaluate the entire landscape in like a few months, it kind of looks like here. And that's one thing at Smash, except we've really covered, is that running back landscape. I and mean, we knew the 23 class was going to be good. We knew free agent was going to shake it up. There's still guys that are out there that are going to be shaking it up even more. And it's just part of the process of continuously reevaluating the running back position and how it works. When it comes to dynasty, how do you attack the running back position? Because there's a lot of people over the last couple of years, you know, maybe three years ago, it was always RB heavy. Now people are waiting on the position. You know, some people are going hero RB, some people are zero. How do you basically, how do you do most of your startups? Yeah, I would say this is kind of a cop-out answer, but I was talking about this yesterday on a stream. I've never been somebody uh, that's scared to just take any player, any position that's like falling past their ADP. So the last couple of years, like I would probably consider myself more a zero RB guy, somebody who waits on RB. Uh, I, I kind of approach the position. I know uh, Pat Corain kind of has talked about this, where when you're looking at like roster construction, I know it's a little bit different in Dynasty, but you kind of have buckets of like almost kind of like an auction, you know what I mean? Like where you have a, a certain amount of allocation budget to each position and, you know, you can't you can't just take six running backs in a row. But if you take a few early, you could then, you know, you can sort of wait, take them late or, you know, sort of take all of them later on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really have a hard and fast rule. I kind of just take whoever is a value. Like I took uh, Brees Hall like the back end of the second, uh, my most recent startup when taking running backs early hasn't been my thing in, uh, in previous years. But I think this year it's kind of something that's a little bit decent. Like I think a lot of the breakout wide receiver guys as well aren't on great teams or like Drake London, low passing volume. So you have a lot of uh, opportunity this year, I think, to or this offseason to invest in running back. I think in, I took Damian Pierce my first time too uh, in that startup as well. So I've been kind of leaning a little bit more towards taking uh, a couple early than I have been in previous years. 
Yeah, I'm glad you referenced Pat Corain. I'm in pros versus Joes and FFPC. Awesome guy. Uh, Snoog, you know, that's something where you and I are going to be doing a, you know, a a high stakes kind of, uh, you know, super flex league here. And the running back position is, is just, like you said, you, you take the value where it's at. How have you been attacking that running back position before we start our draft? And, you know, there's times where I've gotten Brees Hall in almost every single one because he keeps falling back in that in that late second area. I mean, but then you got to take some of these other values. It gets real dicey in the middle. And for me, I'm seeing great value come late. Yeah, we're sitting pretty similar with how we love that mid-range, four to five, even sixth round. Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Javante Williams. That group of guys is my favorite guys to draft. And I've been finding myself drafting them in the past five startups I've done. I've left every single one of those with at least three of those guys. I've been trading out of the third round, fourth round, moving back and getting extra later round picks on top just to get those guys. Going quarterback, quarterback right off the rip. So I'm with you guys. Like what Ron said, I usually like to kind of wait on it. It's not a primary position. I'll attack. I love Brees Hall, Bijan. It feels good to get those guys on your team, but just with how volatile the position is. I've been trying to take advantage of guys like Tony Pollard and Ramondre that have clear paths to volume, great opportunity and decent offenses, and just good, talented players that we know are going to have 250-plus touches with ease. So those are the values, and we'll get into it in a minute here. I love it. And those are the three guys you and I just keep going after everywhere. So the last two weeks, you know, we had Mason Dodd on. He got the first pick overall. We had Corey Bushlin on. He got the first pick overall. And this one, man, you know, Ron, we can't do it. Snoog ended up, we went with the randomizer. Snoog gets that 101. He gets that that RB1, and it, it's a pretty clear choice right now. So Snoog, the board is yours. Yeah, I, I think I'd be an idiot if I didn't take B. John Robinson here. In that Arthur Smith offense, he has a clear path to 300-plus touches in year one at 21 years old, and he's a phenomenal prospect, three down back, checks every box. He's as generational as they come. I don't see a scenario where he doesn't finish top five this year, and I'm going all in on him if I if I get him in some spots. I had a couple one-year punts where I got him. I'm keeping him. I'm not even going to trade him. I'm just going to enjoy him while I have him. Take advantage yeah, I mean, of the rookie contract. <laughs> we we've had him at Smash Smash Except as the RB one overall. As soon as the you know, it's like the championship game was over in twenty twenty two, and you're like, okay, he's now the RB one. Like we were almost to a point where it just felt wrong to make him the RB one before he was even in that area. But they were like, okay, we're gonna draft him. He's the guy. Not even a debate. Uh, Run. How high have you seen him going in redraft? You know, there's some people that are debating taking him top three overall when it comes to redraft running backs and you know the guys that are going that early as early as he's been drafted end up do finishing in that top top five but where have you seen Bijan going and where do you feel comfortable yeah it's pretty crazy because I'm out here in these underdog streets drafting Bijan a lot of us are wide receiver heavy like sickos but you can even see and you were saying uh I think before we started that you or no just now with uh Karain and like FFPC pros versus Joes it seems like across the board everybody has bought in like i've seen ffpc like best ball drafts that have happened already he's like rb2 off the board going like top seven i've seen him go as high as like top three top four in some of these redraft best ball leagues so it's pretty crazy like i think one of the data points that a lot of people i've seen on twitter that are maybe and i think that this is the minority at this point that are maybe a little bit uh adverse to you know Bijan rb1 overall would say well we haven't seen him yet but the redraft community has him at RB2 overall across every format. So if you can pencil him in to be the RB2 in redraft while also being like the youngest guy in the, the landscape, I don't know who else has a better, you know, 
uh, explanation for their ranking as RB1. Yeah, and a lot of people in Dynasty, they're like, well, you know, the running back position, I'm going to go with the quarterback, I'm going to try to... He is the safest and the highest ceiling. Like, there's no debate of taking someone else over him. And when he talks about that running back position, he's also the safest with the highest ceiling again. I mean, you know, we have several guys here who I love in that top 10, a couple of them coming off injuries, a couple of them coming off a down year. I mean, there is not another prospect like B. John Robinson. And the guys that get drafted where he did, you look at the – you know, the the Todd Gurley's and the Zeke's and the guys that get drafted where he does, they hit. They are a top five running back day one. And I feel like he is as well. So let's the, the now we start to talk thinking a little bit more. Ron, you're up with that two spot. Let's see what you got. Yeah, give me give me Brees Hall without much, uh, you know, debate here. I think that his injury is a little bit overstated and, I, and I'm a Jets fan, so. Like, you guys can, you know, maybe pull the reins back a little bit here. But from everything I've seen, and I know that Jets media is going to spin in a positive way no matter what, but his ACL tear, like, I think we kind of have a sour taste in our mouth from J.K. Dobbins last year, you know, Saquon the year before that. It was a clean ACL tear, right? J.K. Dobbins had, like, hip issues and MCL, and it was, like, the entire knee. Like, this was a very clean ACL tear. Brees Hall is still – he he's turning – he hasn't even turned 22 yet. His birthday is May 31st, and – He's still young. He's going to bounce back just fine. I, I follow some uh, doctors on Twitter. Like you have like Jeff Mueller. You have Edwin Porras all coming out, caping up. I think this is a tweet. He said, Brees Hall is roughly 11 weeks out from surgery at this pace. And this is fantastic progress. Trending so- towards being full goal by week one of the 2023 season. Do not fail. Like These are from doctors on Twitter who don't have, you know, a horse in the fight with Jets media or anything. Seems like he'll be good to go. In the games we saw last year, he wasn't even starting until like week five, and he was still an absolute monster. Like he was, he was splitting touches almost 50 50 with Michael Carter and just was efficient, catching passes, everything we could have wanted. Yeah, I love that. And Brees Hall is someone I get this question all the time. They're like, Dad, what do I do with Brees Hall? And it's like, don't worry about it. Jeff Mueller is a perfect example. I keep reading that where you see guys that have the ACL tear, but they don't have the other things. And you're looking at the ability for a guy to bounce back from his ACL tear. One has to do a lot with what kind of athlete we're talking about. You know, the lower draft capital guys aren't in the same shape that a guy like Brees Hall. Brees Hall is due for, man, like if Brees Hall doesn't get this injury, Ron, how close is he to Bijan Robinson? Because right now you look at Bijan in a startup, it's going like 109, 110, and, and Brees Hall's falling to 207, 208. I feel like they're really close if we don't see that injury. I mean, we see what he did in that small sample size. If he played like that for 17 weeks, you know, there might be a little bit of a debate. He would have been, yeah, he would have been right there for me. Like I, if, if Bijan's 110, Brees would be 111 for me. I think I would still go with Bijan just because you can sort of reset the clock a little bit with their, you know, him being a year younger, but the receiving upside is there. It, it just, it would have been beautiful. It, it was so, it was so upsetting when he got hurt against the Broncos, man. Like I was so excited to see uh, what he would do down the stretch. Cause we saw with Jonathan Taylor, remember the first eight weeks with JT, he wasn't even good his rookie year. And then he just yeah. blew up down the stretch. So I, I felt like his best games were ahead of him, which is the craziest part about Brees. But yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said too, because that's what, that's the key thing we need to understand here is Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson separate themselves from JT because they're the only young backs that have a clear path to 250 plus carries and 50 plus receptions in a season. Like Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the receiving, receiving upside. Brees Hall and Bijan have. And that's key. That's why Brees Hall is my RB2 as well in Dynasty. Yeah, and, and you you kind of stole my thunder there, but I'm taking Jonathan Taylor at three. You know, And this is where 
I have not drafted Jonathan Taylor at the ADP in a single startup. Have I traded for him? Yes, I'll, I will trade for him. But when we're in that area where I have to choose between AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, or even uh, Lamb's not falling that way, but into that area, I even start to debate, debate a little bit with Garrett Wilson or Amon Ross St. Brown just because the longevity of the position. But when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, you know, 2022, we're just going to, that was a little bit of an outlier because 2020 and 2021, especially 2021 with 21.94 fantasy points per game, you know, he was the RB one down the stretch. He was winning you championships. Now you, you know, you insert the offensive lines healthy again, he's healthy. You mix in Anthony Richardson there, which could take away a little bit, but I think Jonathan Taylor is a locked and loaded RB one this year. And I think a lot of people have that you know, that year after remorse, right? That recency bias where they're like, well, I took him last year or I, I can move him now. And I think Jonathan Taylor's become a little bit of a value, even though for me, he's the dynasty RB3. Uh, we're going to let the next one here. Uh, what we're doing when we do these is we have the, the, the fourth person. They just kind of go ahead and jump in and take theirs. Um, so we're going to go ahead and give him Jameer Gibbs. Now that's uh, maybe Ron, you were going to take him, but Snoog and I both have Jameer Gibbs as our dynasty RB four. He has shot up boards where he is literally going in the second round of startups. Now um, Snoog, I know if we, we kicked it over to you, you drool over him, you know, and then we'd talk about it here, but Ron, I mean, how the, the ceiling of Jameer Gibbs is phenomenal. We talked about Bijan Robinson, these guys that go top 12, they don't just hit, they hit big when it comes to the NFL. I'm so excited for Jameer Gibbs, man. Like I, I know, I know Snoog is a really big Jameer Gibbs guy and we were all in assuming he had second round draft cap, you know, and then he goes top 12. You just, you don't get drafted that high without getting used. Like I remember people were telling me I have a, like a running back model and they're telling me, Ryan, you got to adjust, man. The NFL, they're not drafting running backs highly anymore. Second round's the new first round, third round's the new second round. And we've seen guys, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, great yeah. prospects go second round and we now have Gibbs. 12th overall and on top of that we know there were teams as well behind like the the lions that were going to take him in the teens like i'm very excited he catches passes i know he's a little bit undersized at 199 pounds but i think what people don't understand is the the top 12 draft capital puts his you know you, you could have said you know his comps look you know like dexter mccluster and giovanni bernard but now that you go inside the top 12 you're talking mccaffrey you're talking javid best you're talking you know uh chris johnson so there's a lot of you know, a lot more positive comps with that investment from the team. The The situation's perfect as well. They didn't invest in a scrambling quarterback like Anthony Richardson like we thought they might. So they have Jared Goff, who is going to check down a bunch, be a pocket quarterback. Like, it just makes a ton of sense. It's the perfect spot for him. Uh, I'm very excited about Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, he's young. He catches passes, something that we don't really have in what was a depleted running back landscape before Gibbs came in. We talk about the redraft community, and I mean, like I said, Snoog and I have been pounding the drum for a while, and you know, I think we have him ranked higher than most dynasty analysts. The redraft community—they're—they're they're in on on you know Bijan. Are they in on Gibbs the same way? I mean, I think you have to look at if he's healthy all seventeen games, he's he's locked to be an RB one with the kind of reception work that he's going to get. I mean, you have to believe if used properly, he's going to be 60, 70 receptions as a rookie, which by you know, by proxy, pretty much locks him in at that RB1 position. They have him a little bit lower, which is interesting because you'd think, you know, 12th overall, it would bump him up. I'm looking, I use underdog, especially this far out. Like there's not a ton of spots out there that is doing like a ton of ADP stuff. 
he is going as the RB14 right now. So he's he's right in the mix as like a early fourth rounder, but that's also half PPR. So I'd imagine in full PPR, he's probably more of like a locked in third rounder back end RB1, which I'm drafting him at that price. Like I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty interested at that two, three turn and redraft taking Gibbs, you know, in like full PPR leagues just with the receiving upside and what he can give you. But I think that I think the market's a little bit a little bit hesitant, I would say, the redraft market. And Snoog, I mean, like we, right now in, in the Patreon rankings, I mean, Hall, Taylor, and Gibbs, that's the end of tier two, you know, and then we got to start looking into tier three of, of some of these running backs with a little bit more veteran capabilities. But I mean, Gibbs in a redraft, how early are you willing to take him? I know you got some of those coming up and, and Gibbs is someone that you and I have just invested in super heavily as far as our rookie drafts and moving into the right position to get him. Now that we got to start, you know, winning mentality and what we're going to do, what are you looking at for 2023 with Gibbs? Yeah, I'm treating him as a top 12 back. Ron nailed it on the head. He's going to come in, instantly be the guy there, and he's going to catch passes as their second option in the receiving game. We have JMO out for six games. Monroe St. Brown's going to eat, but Jameer Gibbs is going to have everything underneath. They're going to play him in the slot. They're going to motion him. They're going to throw him wheel routes. He's not just going to be a swing route guy. He could see 60-plus passes in year one easy, running behind an elite offensive line tied to a veteran quarterback. He's just going to be so efficient. I would not be surprised if we saw such similar stats and numbers to Alvin Kamara's rookie season where he was like RB4 with like 120 carries. Like this guy's not going to need 280 carries like Najee Harris to finish top three. Give him 150 carries and 50 plus passes out of the backfield and 10 touchdowns total and he's going to finish as a top 10 guy in year one. Love it, Ron. You're on the board here. Now it gets a little bit more tricky. You know, do you go with the younger upside guy? Do you go with some of these veterans who have done it? I'm interested to see what you do with it. Oh, no, we're at Snoog. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, all right. Hey, Snoog. I'm so used to our Stop guests being that one on one, you know? It, it, yeah. Go ahead, Snoog. So I think I think this has to be Christian McCaffrey here just because he is a generational guy, just like we gassed up so much about Jameer Gibbs. I know he's on the older side, but he's clearly one of the best running backs in the league still. And the way San Fran uses him, they're good at kind of not giving him 500 touches like the Panthers. So he's hyper efficient with like 300 touches a year. And he's getting insane receiving volume out of that backfield with Noodle on Brock Purdy or whoever the quarterback's going to be there in San Fran. So he he ate it up last year on limited touches and finishes like the RB2. So I, I don't see a scenario where Christian McCaffrey doesn't finish top five if he's healthy and he has RB1 overall upside for the next three years because he has that skill set to even when he starts to fall off, he's still going to have that pass catching role like a James White. So he could still have top 10 upside for the next four years, five years until he's just absolutely toast and can't get out of bed anymore. So I think Christian McCaffrey's the guy here, even though I really wanted to go Travis Etienne, but I'll kick it over to Ron. I'm still only safe with like a one to two year window there, but I mean, McCaffrey is, he could easily do that. And I think that's the difference. We look at the age in the draft class of, you know, I mean, look at the guys that were in that draft class and where they're at now, you know, value wise, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, you know, like we're talking a huge difference between McCaffrey who in, in most of our startups is going round two, maybe early round three, where all those guys are going round eight nine maybe even ten so ron you're on the board all right i'm gonna go let's go let's go saquon here i do like me some saquon um i will say like saquon to me i I have such an issue with him because saquon is somebody that i want to bet on i really do like saquon barkley he is somebody 
who has always been this like phenom, really good, like kind of in the same, you know, breath as Christian McCaffrey. But last year, he just wasn't like, he just didn't really look all that explosive. And I know it's like, why are you putting this guy as RB6? But he's going to get the volume in this new offense. We're hoping that he bounces back. He's going to, you know, there's a there's a, a world out there where he bounces back. He was this freak athlete coming out. Uh, but there is definitely downside with his profile. I just like him because he's going to be like a, lo- a locked in, like top six redraft running back. He should catch passes. I sort of trust Dable at this point to just run a good, competent offense. And there's some people out there that will tell you. And I think that there's some merit to that where, you know, you're running routes for Richie James. You're running routes for Isaiah Hodgins. The defense is going to key in on Saquon Barkley when he's your only playmaker out there. So I think there's some merit to that. I think that he can bounce back in the efficiency department. But, yeah, he was like outside the top 30 running backs in yards per out run, outside the top 30 in like missed tackles forced per attempt. He wasn't the same guy that we we have sort of grown accustomed to know. But there's some reason to believe that he could, you know, sort of make a comeback here. Um, at least the redraft community has him with a high projection. Yeah, I was hoping Saquon lasted one more pick there for me. You know, I, I love Saquon Barkley. I think you're looking at a guy that, you know, is, second year in that day offense. If you told me he's the RB one overall, I would have no quarrels with that. You know, as, as far as at the, at the end of the season, I'm not saying take him as your RB one, but I, he mm-hmm. could fall into that area for me, the next spot, you know, and, and this is an end of a tier as well. I feel like all three of these guys are in the same tier. This one's a little bit more upside as opposed to the production that you've seen from McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. And for me, that's Travis Etienne. Um, I think Travis Etienne right now, I mean, you know, it was a little bit of a roller coaster, a little bit of up, a little bit of down, you know, the first four weeks, 7.6 points per game. Uh, weeks five through 11, 18 points per game. That was like league winning type player, you know? And then obviously weeks 12 through 14, a little bit more dropped off. But I think this is a guy that is going to get you plenty of receptions. I believe he could get 50, 60 receptions and puts himself into that RB1 category, only 24 years old. And I think after him, we have a bit of a drop off. You know, this is an area where three months ago, I would have considered Kenneth Walker with this pick. You know, and but that's those ships have sailed. You know, when it comes to that running back position, you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to move things around. You can't just sit there and say, well, this is my guy. I'm still going to kind of go with my gut. Um, I'm actually going to manually set the next next one for Kenneth Walker just so we don't have to cry about what happened with, you know, Zach Charbonnet. We all been past that. We're just kind of making a much more fun draft. So, Snoog, I'm going to put you on the clock here at pick nine. Yeah, so this is really tough here. I have these guys in the same tier, eight and nine for me. So I'm just going to go with... Leave my guy. I'm just going (laughs) to go with Josh Jacobs. So I'll leave you your guy, even though I wanted to go, you know who. But I just think he's going to come back, do the same thing he did last year, if not build off it. I think he rushed for 1,600 yards. And if anything, he's going to get, I don't want to say a better quarterback, but a better quarterback for what will be successful for Josh Jacobs he'll catch more passes with Jimmy G he's Jimmy G's not like Carr he's not going to just gunsling the whole time downfield I know Carr checks it down a lot but Jimmy G's a smart guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes so he likes to take that safe check down this is a guy Josh Jacobs who's going to get a clear 280 plus carries next year and he's only 25 years old he got the tag he's going to be with the Raiders now I just think he's one of the safer guys, and in redraft especially, I'm drafting him as a top five guy. But even in the dynasty, like 25 years old, you want to hope that maybe this year, next year, and the following, this is a guy that can be top 10 all those years. So that's RB1 numbers. So pounce on Josh Jacobs' value in fantasy drafts. I got him at 506 in my last startup, and I couldn't believe it because I went 
double quarterback, double wide out. Got my RB1 in Josh Jacobs, who I know is going to finish top five next year. And I'm curious to see where Ron has Josh Jacobs in his rankings. I think a lot of people are kind of coming around on just keeping him top eight just because of the volume and how safe he is there with catching passes like you showed us last year. So I'm kind of curious where you stand on that and if you think that's a good pick or a reach. I think it's a fine pick. Like I have all of these guys in the same tier. Like I, I, I don't want to spoil the board, but I have like literally Eckler, Pollard, Stevenson, Jacobs, like all right next to each other. So Jacobs yeah. is like RB 11, but I'd probably put them all like back Spin to back hairs. to back. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's Just because I would prefer, too. I'd prefer the pass catching of, of Stevenson and Eckler. And then Pollard, Pollard catches passes. Like I think he can catch passes like those guys. He just hasn't yet. Um, he just a little bit more uh, juice to me, but they they all feel like short term plays, you know, where they are all operating like a one to two year window. So mm-hmm. I'd rather take the guys to me that I think have that like 75 plus catch upside. But I, I don't mind Jacobs at all. I've been coming around on him and redraft like him in that two, three turn area um, where I've been historically like a, a pretty big Jacobs fader. And then he uh, he made me uh, eat everything that I said about him this, this <laughs> past season. So uh, it's all good. I, love I like that. that. That's our exact tier four that we have in in the Patreon Discord is Jacobs, Eckler, Pollard, Stevenson, and they're all in that, when you're talking rookie drafts right now, that 106 to 108 range, and you can't go wrong with with any of them right now, you know, and I think that that's that, that fun part here, and this is the end of a tier, maybe even have Najee in that area, but... Um, Go ahead. You're on the board again. Jacobs is a fine pick. I think he's like he's not that pick that we high five and we celebrate, but he's going to go and he's going to be an RB one for you in that you know maybe six to twelve range, and it's going to be something that's going to put up points for you. You know, hundred uh, percent. I'll go. I'll go Eckler here, but I think it's really close between those other three guys. Uh, we just got news what yesterday that he got like extended, sort of. Uh, I think that they just sort of like reworked his deal so that uh, he can stay with some sort of uh bonus or incentives added. But he's going to be a charger in that Kellen Moore offense, which should be really, really exciting this year. Um, so I'm hyped about it. He's also, in terms of redraft, he's like one of only like McCaffrey, Bijan, and Eckler, and then like JT, you can kind of squeeze in there, are like your only like first round, <clears throat> like locked and loaded RBs right now. So I'll take him super high catch upside. We're kind of getting to a tier of running backs where they're all short-term assets, you know? So I know Eckler is kind of getting towards the end here, uh, but I'll kind of take him as a guy who I think can sort of challenge for 20 points per game uh, in 2023. Yeah. We talk about that two to three year window and it, it really is a lot of these guys. I mean, obviously Bijan Hall, Gibbs and ETN, we're talking, you know, longer term careers here, but you look at the window you have of Jacobs, you know, he's a little bit, he's, he's 25, but by the time he's 28, you're going to start dropping off. Eckler right now is that, you know, 28, 29 year old where you're going to get that production. But in, when you're doing a startup, it's like, he falls into that area where do I want that young upside or do I want that production? You got to really, you know, make that decision of what direction you're going for in a startup. The guy that I'm going to take is Tony Pollard, which I think gives you a little bit of both. Um, You know, he has a little bit more tread on the tires because of the way he's progressed in his career coming off the injury. I understand that some, that's a concern for some people. I do not believe it is. You look at second half points per game from weeks 10 to 18. He was only behind McCaffrey, Connor, Jacobs, and Eckler. He was the RB5 over those last eight weeks, averaging 18 points per game. Number two in the league as a fantasy points per per game over expectations. I mean, he's a guy that he looked absolutely phenomenal last year at times. He was the guy that we wanted them to have the ball. 
scored 28.9 fantasy points per game without Zeke in the backfield. Now, yes, there is going to be a secondary back there. I don't think they're there yet. You know, maybe Zeke comes back. Maybe it's Leonard Fournette. Maybe it's Kareem Hunt. They are going to mix somebody else in there. But I think we saw him as a, a fringe RB1 last year. I think he's a locked and loaded RB1 this year. Him and the next guy that we're going to have on there is Ramondre Stevenson. Both of those guys last year, I was saying, was like the literal quintessential guys to be drafting zero RB or taking in a one-year punt because both of them I owned everywhere because the value was so low. Um, Snoog, Ramondre Stevenson is another one of your guys. Like we love these guys. We're pounding the table for both of them, you know, and, and you're in a situation now where Ramondre Stevenson is going, you know, you could get Ramondre Stevenson or Tony Pollard and a first for Christian McCaffrey. Now you talked about Christian McCaffrey being locked and loaded for four or five years here. If you can get a mid 24 first for either of those players, is that a smash or pass for you? You know what I'm going to say? That's a smash all day because these two guys have 50 plus catch upside, clear path to volume, and they're talented. That's all that matters for running backs. So these are guys you just guys have to hammer, turn off these veteran assets i know ron mentioned that one to two year window with the running backs and that is the smartest thing i've ever heard because i never thought of it like that but that is what we all need to do and these guys are going to produce as top 10 guys if you can get a first on top better your roster elsewhere and kind of transition off those 27 28 year old running backs like cmc and austin eckler that's a no-brainer move in my opinion and that's the thing that I've taught on Smash Except all the time is insulated trades. The running back position is so volatile. You move through so much. Recently, I traded Eckler in a second for Ramondre in a first. And that first looks to be mid. You know, And I think we always talk about taking that next guy. So if you're a couple years ago, it was a matter of trading Najee Harris for Brees Hall plus. And before that, it was trading Jonathan Taylor for Najee plus. And now we're in a situation where it's trading Jonathan Taylor for Pollard Stevenson in that first. And then you get similar type production. They could get into that same area, but you have that first round pick next year. We know 2024 is going to be another absolute banger. So now's the time to make those kind of insulated trades and move back, maybe off of Barkley, maybe off McCaffrey a little bit more so than Taylor. But this is a time where you can literally take advantage of that. And we know it's a volatile position. So Saquon Barkley at you know, 25, 26 goes down to injury. At Now you're at a spot where you have Pollard's already jumping in there and you have that 24 first. So if Pollard were to go down, you have that 24 first to buy another one. So it's I'm always about insulating value and doing that. Just had to get that out there. You guys know when we say insulated trades, I get all excited. So, all right, Ron, you're up. All right, Snoog's up again. Man, this yeah. this whole like not having the analysts that we are as a guest go first is throwing me <laughs> off. It's my boomer moment. Here we go. Want to pull up full screen again so it has like the full board just so viewers oh, can see and stuff. Special requests here. You want to see? Nope, not that. That's going to be the you. down arrow. Yep, we got it. Oh, yeah. There we go. No, one more down arrow. Nope. There we go. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so end of the tier here for me. Najee Harris, last guy in the tier. I just think he's. we know what he's going to be. He's going to get 300-plus touches. He's a great pass catcher. And that offensive line added in Broderick Jones from Georgia. He was a starter all four year, or all three years, four years there. So he, he has that experience in the SEC. He's ready to start day one for the Steelers. They beefed up that old line in free agency as well. I think they added one of the Eagles guards. I'm not positive, kind of off the dome, but that offense is going to be improved. Pickett coming in year two. Hopefully he looks for the check down more than he did last year, but 
Najee was hurt all last year. And as a rookie, he was the RB3. He had 300-plus touches. He had 70 catches. This is a That's a ceiling that we could see again because Najee Harris is good. I know people think that he's bad. He's not bad. His offense is just trash, and it's the least efficient offense in the NFL the past two years. That offense is going to be much better this year, in my opinion. And you know how Tomlin likes to feed his, feed his running backs. We saw it with Le'Veon. We saw it with every single handcuff running back to Le'Veon. So there's no way in my mind that Najee Harris goes into 2023 and doesn't get 25 touches a game. It's just going to happen. So he has to be in this top 12 tier for me, even though he's a bit on the older side. He's never missed a game. And he played with a Linz Frank injury all last year. He played with a metal plate in his foot, and he has not missed a game. He has like some crazy record I saw on Twitter. But back-to-back 17-game seasons for Najee. That's just a safe guy when you know what you're going to get from him. Iron Horse, we've been chalk so far. Ron, are we going to stay chalk or are we going to mix it up here a little bit? You know, I feel like right now we start to get to your guy, right? Like we we're past those. Once there's about, oh, what do we have, 11 guys, now all of a sudden it's like, pick your poison, man. Which way, which way are you going to play it? Well, I, I do want to flex a little bit real quick. I actually got Najee at the 602 in my recent startup draft. I feel very good about that. That's um, beautiful. 602. I'm in a. Uh, it's a. It's a room of a bunch of nerds like me. So I got to draft guys that I've never um, gotten before. But that's just far, far too late. I agree with what you said, Snoog. I'm coming around on. I think I have a tweet circulating out there where I didn't like Najee early on. I felt he was a little bit overpriced, and then we're gonna come back around. He's gonna, you know, he he disappointed last year, and now I'm kind of back in on the price. But this one's also not a guy that I've historically really liked. But I'm gonna go Nick Chubb here. I'm gonna go Nick Chubb. You know what you're getting from him. Like, Nick Chubb, to me, I mean, like, Jonathan Taylor, like, is a year or two away from being in, like, the Nick Chubb uh, asset class of just, like, between the tackles, like, very efficient. Like, Nick Chubb could go out there, average six yards per carry, lead the league in rushing yards. And I really do like the idea, right? We're talking with running backs now, especially in this range, where we're kind of just looking at them for one year. Unless if, uh, There's a couple of them that are maybe, you know, of course, the rookies and stuff. But with Nick Chubb, I kind of love betting on this Cleveland offense this year. They looked terrible with Deshaun Watson last year. I think Deshaun's going to bounce back. There's a report from, I think, Matthew Barry. He was hearing at the Combine that, that Kevin Stefanski wants to throw the ball a lot more. They didn't bring in a Kareem Hunt or a second running back behind Chubb. And, you know, they let Dearness Johnson go. They let Kareem Hunt go. I kind of think, if you guys remember, if you look back to Nick Chubb's first year at Georgia, he actually caught a lot of passes that year in an offense with, I believe, Todd Gurley and Sony Michelle. So, like it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying like 80 plus catches, but it wouldn't shock me if you set like a career high in catches and had like a career year this year. So I kind of do like Chubb, especially his price in Dynasty, where it's like, you know, six round and get him like pretty much for free everywhere. So give me Chubb. I like that pick a lot, you know, and I think there's there's two guys here I was debating. I, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to play win now. I love, love, love J.K. Dobbins this year. J.K. Dobbins, over his career, when healthy, career average of 5.9 yards per carry. A guy coming out of Ohio State who was a phenomenal pass catcher has literally been a little bit untapped with that. But if you look at him last year, what he was able to do down the stretch where you see him clearly still, you know, dealing with with a little bit of the, you know, ACL and multiple injuries there at 80, 85 percent. This is someone who led from weeks 13 to 18, led the NFL in rushing yards, most rushes of over 10 plus yards, tied for the most rushes of 20 plus yards, fifth in yards after contact. And I just think he's going in that sixth round. And I think he's an absolute steal as well. Uh, I think 
Yeah, I think Dobbins is one of those guys that I've kind of had as that breakout. But then the next guy, I put Javante Williams there as well. I think Javante Williams is that perfect guy for you to punt with, right? You know, Sean Payton saying he's going to be available. Let's just read the writing on the wall. This isn't the same injury. This is a J.K. Dobbins type injury. This isn't the Brees Hall injury. This is multiple ligament tears. This is something where if you took J.K. Dobbins last year, you got a little bit of that value bump. I think if you take Javante Williams – you're going to get a value bump late in the year, but you're going to not, you're going to, you know, ultimately be losing points possible. And I think that's great for your year one punts. That's great for your rebuilds, but you're going to be able to retain some of that value later on in the year. Snoog. Back up, back up. So I have two guys here in a tier, DeAndre Swift and Damian Pierce. I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift just because there, I don't believe that there's anybody left on the board as talented as him as a player. And with the contract year, him being on one of the best offenses in the NFL, fresh start. He's been an RB, low-end RB1, high-end RB2 all three years with the Lions, even though people try to say he was a bust. He was top 15 in points per game all three years, one being top eight. And he had a clear, I think, 50-plus receptions in all three of those seasons, all with missed time. So if this guy stays healthy, you can chalk him in for 70-plus receptions because he's one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. He's excellent in space, and we saw what Miles Sanders did in that Eagles offense. DeAndre Swift is so much better of a player. He's a better pure runner. He's just as powerful. I don't know if you guys have watched DeAndre Swift's rookie season a lot, but I used to love DeAndre Swift, and I watched every single game he played in, and he was just running people over, hurdling people showing off that big body work at the goal line. He had eight touchdowns. I think it's in him. If he can stay healthy in the best rushing offense in the NFL, I think on his contract year, he is going to hit a crazy ceiling and kind of chalk himself back and talk himself his way back into people's top eight. So that's the upside pick there with this board left all day, DeAndre Swift. I think it's what kind of gambler are you, right? Are you a no limit poker kind of guy where you want to push the chips all in and this is someone who can really hit a home run? Are you a guy that likes to sit back and play your, you know, $10 hands of blackjack and go with that Rashad Penny and just try to nickel and dime it? Because I think, you know, it's it's a matter of pick your poison. Someone's going to hit in that Eagles offense other than just Jalen Hurts. One of these running backs is going to win you championships and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Now we get to this fun area of, a little bit of upside, a little bit of veteran, you know, do you want age versus production, Ron? I mean, this is where we start to really, when you're doing your dynasty rookie drafts, like I find, or I'm sorry, startup drafts. There's so many people that just want to pick the, the upside, right? And like these running backs, this, this Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, like you have these people take these wide receivers that are much more of a long shot. The production you can get here from these running backs could be huge. Yeah, I'm going to go with another guy that historically hasn't really been one of my guys, but I think I'm just coming around to his price at this point, and it's Damian Pierce. I've been historically a guy who uh, fades your day three in UDFAs, right? Like James Robinson. Like We saw James, Robin- James Robinson balled out as a rookie, and then the regime and the GM there said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take a first-round running back this next year. So I was pretty spooked on Damian Pierce of like Bijan, Gibbs, and they take nobody. They take nobody. They take what, like a UDFA? They bring in Devin Singletary, which is just going to kind of the perfect meat shield where he's like just enough of a body for them not to draft a running back, but then also inefficient and not going to like take away a ton from Pierce. And he's somebody that slipped through the cracks of like my prospect models and stuff because Damian Pierce had weird usage at Florida. Like he was behind like Michael P. Ryan for like a second there. Uh, He didn't catch a ton of passes from a raw standpoint. 
but I think that he's actually a much more gifted uh, pass catcher than I previously thought. Like his ADOT is pretty good. His uh, expected receiving points last year were pretty good despite running only like 30% plus of the routes. So if that bumps up and you have Stroud, who is going to be like a pocket quarterback in this offense, so he can catch passes, he can do it all. Damian Pierce, he was, we already know he's an efficient, like explosive runner. So I'm actually pretty excited about a day three running back for the first time in a while. I mean, I love Ramondre too, but I, I need pass catching to get there. And I think that he's he's well on his way to that like sort of Ramondre type track. Doing it for my boy, John Hampton. I, I got to take Derrick Henry here. And I know this is the point in the draft where you, you literally have to make your decision, right? But I mean, Derrick Henry, we've said it in 2020. You're like, oh, he's going to start to fall off a little bit. Then you said it in 2021 and 2022. And now in 2023, he's still a value. Last year, averaging 16.7 over the final eight games. When Derrick Henry's on the field, I mean, obviously we're going to see a lot of a lot of stacked boxes, but we always have. I mean, I think Derrick Henry is still that guy that's going to be a back-end RB1 at worst, and you're going to be paying, you know, right now I'm seeing him go for less than a first. You can get him for an early 23 second. You know, and if I'm paying a late 24 first and early 23 second, I'm all in on Derrick Henry. Go win that championship. Uh, next pick we're going to actually put in for – who do they want to take? I think they're actually going to take Dalvin Cook because that's that same mold. Dalvin Cook's one I want to talk about, Ron, a little bit is people are, are really starting to – decrease the value of Dalvin Cook as if he's already left. They're increasing the value of Alexander Madison, where I've been seeing a lot of underdog drafts and a lot of dynasty startups where they go in the same couple of picks here. And I want to talk a little bit about that Minnesota situation. So if Dalvin stays, he's still that guy. If Dalvin leaves, do you think Alexander Madison takes over as that guy? Or is this the situation where we talked about where Hunt, Zeke, or Fournette come to Minnesota? I think the issue is is the Alexander Madison that we've known of the past where Dalvin Cook goes down. Like, I, I still remember, like, like waking up on a Sunday and it's like, okay, Dalvin Cook's not playing. Move Alexander Madison up to, like, RB4 in your weekly rankings, you know? Yes. Um. So the issue is that those guys aren't there, right? You had, I think, Stefanski was kind of that guy, and so was Zimmer, and now they've brought in a whole new regime here. We still are yet to see, like, kind of how they even view Madison or if, if they would give him that full workload. Of course, he was the RB2 last year, but we never saw the, okay – clear your board. Alexander Madison's getting 20 touches this game because Dalvin Cook's not in. So, I, I mean, we've now had them in back-to-back years. Of course, day three picks, but back-to-back years, this regime has taken running backs. Dwayne McBride, who is a monster. Uh, Ty Chandler, who I'm not as excited about. But yeah, and then, of course, they could bring somebody in. So I think I, I think you're really giving up a lot of profit, you know, by just taking Alexander Madison. Like, the, the time to get Alexander Madison was months ago. Like, at this mm-hmm. point, I'm not buying at this price. I'm not drafting at this price. I'll let everybody else kind of take that on. Um, I'm staying away from Alexander Madison just because, again, I think he's kind of propped up on what the previous regime would use him like on game days without Dalvin Cook. Thank you. That's echoed what I've been <laughs> saying. And I, I've been telling everyone they're trying to trade him now. And I said, hold on, because if Dalvin leaves, you might be able to fetch a 24 first and then you sell immediately. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even be so many people now are throwing 25 firsts around like candy. Take that. You know, any first you can get, even a pair of seconds. Alexander Madison's going to be a nice, you know, turnaround on that. And he's not going to put the same production as these next couple guys that go. Um, now that we've hit those first several rounds, let's hit these a little bit quicker the next couple of rounds. And I'm actually going to get this right, Snoog. You are on the clock here. I think I'm all in at this point. So I'm going to have to go with the boy, Kendra Miller. I, I love him as a prospect. I, I think he's one of the most talented pure runners. He's so explosive. and He's such a good raw athlete. 
he has a great blend of finesse power he has the size he checks every box in my models the only thing was the receiving upside all you need to do is look on saints twitter and listen to how dennis allen has been raving about this guy saying he's going to be the next stud running back they have he can catch passes he can do it all he's got the size Kendra's coming in all cocky saying he's going to beat out my boy AK, even though Kamara's my favorite player ever. He's saying, I can do what he can do. I'm going to compete with him. I respect him, but I can do what he can do. So I'm excited for him. He, he was the fourth running back taken in a loaded running back class. And it seemed almost like the Saints reached on him. Like It's almost like the Saints didn't think he was going to be there. And they were just so high on him because they brought in Jamal Williams for three years, 11 mil. They have a superstar running back with the suspension looming. So I think this means either Kamara is getting suspended, they're cutting him, they're trading him, or they really just think Kendrick Miller is going to be the Mark Ingram to Alvin Kamara's lightning. So I'm all in on him, and he is still only 20 years old. So he checks every box for me, and this is the start of a new tier for me. I love Ron, it. you were up. Uh, I'm going to go with, let me see real quick. I'm going to go with Devin Aching. Oh, uh, Devin first A-Chain, snipe there. Yeah, like. <laughs> A-Chain has kind of been somebody that um, I've really come around on. I really like uh, – I'm not one that really likes coaches um, or using them a ton in analysis, but I, he is one of those guys – like I would put Dable in there and, you know, your Shanahan's and stuff where McDaniel, I think he's amazing at using his players uh, in correct roles. And A-Chain's just perfect. He adds to the speed that you have with Tyree Kill – um and Jalen Waddle of course and then he's kind of like a more explosive version of Raheem Mostert you know that undersized speedster gonna hit the outside zone he can catch passes he had over 100 yards uh per game in the SEC on the ground last year so we can rush you can do it all uh very excited about a chain I like that pick a lot he's super excited just putting him all over the field if you get him in space man like this is not a between the tackles runner but you get him in space it's going to be something special this is again you guys keep I'm the old guy in the group so you make me take the old guys but Joe Mixon feels like he feels like a screaming bargain here I mean like you look at things where Mixon is coming off RB6 RB6 RB10 over the last three years if you look on underdog he's going at RB19 that's 58.6 overall He's still in Cincinnati. Cincinnati did not draft a running back. The suspension is not coming. The, the Him getting cut or traded is not coming. Joe Mixon will be the RB1 for one of the best offenses in the league. And I still feel like finish as a top 10 to 12 running back. And you're getting him for the price of, you know, a late first, early second. I love Joe Mixon here. Aaron Jones is another guy that just keeps falling to that same area late you know, that you're able to get in rounds eight, nine, and 10 in your dynasty startups who could, again, be an RB1. That team's going to lean a lot on the run game. Um, Snoog, I I, I took two guys in a row, so I'm not trying to snipe you there, trying to keep things moving. You're up. You snipe me with Mixon. I think you nailed it with him. Just clear path to volume. And I've been finding myself drafting and trading for a lot of Joe Mixon with how cheap he's been. But I'm going to go with Miles Sanders here. Nice. He's, He's a good, talented athletic runner he runs hard and he he can maintain those 250 carries per year like we saw last year in philly finishes a top 15 running back touchdown scoring machine and he's going to possibly one of the best running back situation offenses um in carolina they're known for feeding their running backs whether it was dante foreman christian mccaffrey chuba hubbard any of those guys i think he's gonna have a clear path to volume alongside a rookie quarterback 
And we might actually see Miles Sanders be used as the receiving back he is that we saw coming out of Penn State. And Philly just turned him into a bad receiving back for some reason. But I think the clear path to volume here, and he's only 25 years old, 26 years old maybe, but Miles Sanders here is great value. And he's one of my go-to guys in this range as well. All right, let me get let me get another young guy here. We're gonna go with Zach Charbonnet. Um, okay, and Charbonnet, okay. I don't think people are very excited about Zach Charbonnet. I know he went to a bad spot, but I can't stress enough how important and like since that 2017 draft class, or like second round draft capital has been for running backs. I, again, I know that he's in a crowded backfield, but your second round running backs, you know, you have like Chubb, Swift, Javante, uh, Kenneth Walker, Jonathan Taylor, Akers, even bad ones like on Johnson have have their sort of, you know, peaks in the dynasty world. And then third round, outside of David Montgomery, it's a pretty rough riff, uh, list in the third round. It's like Darrell Henderson, Singletary, Keyshawn Vaughn, Zach Moss, Trey Sermon, Damian Harris, Rashad White, uh, Ty Davis Price from last year. So at this point in the draft, I'm down to just kind of bet on uh, draft capital. And I do like the idea of Zach Charbonnet where, yes, Kenneth Walker's already there. But it seems like they want to bring him in to – so they're not tipping their hand on passing plays, right, where they're not bringing in a DJ Dallas or a Travis Homer. So give me the guy who's going to get, wait, maybe like 40% of the of the carries, 35% of the carries to Kenneth Walker's and then have all of the passing down work. So uh, give me Charbonnet there. And maybe not all the passing down work, but – We're working on an area here where you're just you're, – you're playing upside right now. I'm going Rashad White for the – you know, obviously inefficient at times, but – Looks like he is a PPR machine, possibly on a offense that is going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, kind of going through a rebuild here. Baker Mayfield could dump off quite a bit. I think Rashad Penny has, or sorry, I'm sorry, Rashad White has 50 to 60 reception type upside. Cam Akers next, again, contract year guy, kind of falls into that area where he's been inefficient at times. He's looked good at times. Other times, you know, he's he's made you just want to bang your head against the wall, but we're moving into that area where it's like we're just playing strictly upside. Snoog on the board. What are you in a ghillie seat across the street from me up in a tree sniping me? <laughs> Cam, Cam Akers is a great pick there. That's my pick. But I'm going to have to go with the GOAT, my boy Alvin Kamara. He's just way too talented. He's right up there. He's a better talent than Austin Eckler. He's better than Nick Chubb, in my opinion. He's just up there with McCaffrey and Saquon as a talent. He's still only 27 years old. Super efficient player throughout his career. He's the leading touchdown scorer since he entered the league. He's with the best receiving back in the NFL. So I think if he gets cut, if he gets traded, he gets a fresh start. This is a guy that can be good till he's 31 years old because he's so good on limited touches. All he needs is just a better offense. They were horrible last year, and they were horrible the year before since losing Drew Brees. So if he is healthy, if he's playing this year and not suspended or only gets two games, He's going to be the guy there. I know I love Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller is going to have to wait. Kamara is going to be a guy that sees 60-plus receptions, and it has league-winning upside, especially with Derek Carr coming in. Bunch of upgrades to that offense. So I think people are just forgetting who Alvin Kamara really was because he was the RB1 overall two years ago. Love it. Ron, here we go. We're going to do two more rounds. Let's do some quick hitters. Who are you taking? I was sniped on Kamara, and I have to say that this is a pretty massive tear break for me. But I'm gonna take, uh, I'm gonna take James Conner. James Conner will be the guy that I take here. This is where I'm gonna start turning to the old guys here. Um, James Conner just like very quietly. I think he finished as like a top 12-ish running back last year. He now finds himself in a running back room with just Keontae Ingram. They didn't add anything. They added to the offensive line. 
he should be in the mix to be like a top 15 guy, top 20 guy pretty easily. So I'm down to just kind of, you know, scoop up those points. I'm going to take James Cook here just to trade him right afterwards. But James Cook averaged 5.7 yards per carry in 2022 on 89 carries. And those were talking small sample size. If we can just crank that up a little bit, I think, and plus that PPR area, James Cook could be a nice value on the right offense, just like Isaiah Pacheco with KC in the right offense, avoids that draft capital. Let's do one more each. Snoog, take it home. Who's your last guy? between Roshan Johnson and Alexander Madison, but I'm going to go with Madison. If Cook gets cut, he's going to be an RB1, and he's going to get fed in that loaded, loaded offense that's always going to get goal line touches, always opportunities to score touchdowns. He's only 24 years old, so that's my pick there, and I think that's an upside pick. Yeah, give me – I'll go – give me A.J. Dillon here. I'll take kind of a young upside guy. I think one of these days Aaron Jones is going to, you know, either sort of fall off or pass the torch or whatever. A.J. Dillon is still kind of – it's still kind of in the cards. He could have a Derrick Henry type ascension here where, you know, like the first is rookie deal. He doesn't really do a ton, and then he kind of figures it out on the back end. So we'll see. He's a guy I like betting on. Uh, The last guy that I'm going to draft for the entire draft is Khalil Herbert. I think Khalil Herbert – uh, one of those guys at 0.22 missed tackles per attempt. He's someone that is it going to be Roshan? Is it going to be Herbert? I think Herbert gets the first crack here. Um, you know, at the starting job in Chicago. Ron, this is a blast because like we just like to kind of break it down, get expert analysis on on different positions. Um, overall, you know, what what sticks out on the board from you? You know, I think we were very chalk in the beginning. And or any takes on running back position in general, because this is the question we get. Everybody loves running backs. Running backs are the meat and potatoes. That's what wins you your championships. But it's also the most volatile position. I would say in terms of running back position, just overall strategy is I would just be very mindful of your running backs. Like just be aware of where where your team is at and who your running backs are. You know, you don't want to get caught on a team that's kind of a tweener because you have Austin Eckler when you could just move Austin Eckler for like a first or something and then sort of start a one-year turnaround. Just be aware of what you have going on in your running back room. I think some people sort of turn on autopilot with that. Um, but I will say, I think I think Kenneth Walker went a tad too high for me, but I am also the guy who took Charbonnet. Um, I do think it's a little bit more uh, of a, I would almost put it, a, not maybe not a coin flip, but I think it's more of a 60-40 type split between, you know, who scores more fantasy points over the next three years. So I think it'll be a little bit, a little bit closer than some might think uh, in the market. Yeah, we've actually moved Kenneth Walker past where Najee and Nick Chubb went. I put him there in that particular instance, so we didn't have to talk about him because we're just we're just, <laughs> we're just teary-eyed. But that's a great point as far as people ask me all the time about dynasty trades, and I'm saying, what's your direction? They're like, I didn't think about that. Like making dynasty trades blindly is just – insane you have to have a plan you have to look at your roster you know like when we were doing year one punts I have four rosters that have Brees Hall Bijan and Jameer Gibbs now because he was like buy that running back when he got hurt play the market running back is that position where you can play around and move around the most Uh, it it was definitely a blast why don't you tell everybody where they can find you again and you know what you're working on right now yeah I had a ton of fun I'll thank you guys for having me on you can find all my work Ron Stewart on YouTube. I hope that it pops up. I, sometimes, you know, uh, some of the old people, the old heads on YouTube will get like Rod Stewart videos coming up, like music videos coming up yes. uh, when they search my name. Uh, Ron, May, Stewart, Ron Stewart, <laughs> fantasy football. That's how you'll find my uh, account. But on there, I'm talking redraft, dynasty, all of that good stuff all the time streaming on there. So just check out uh, the YouTube on there. I love it. And Snoog, congratulations on the, the graduation, everything like that. I know you got a lot of stuff coming on. What you working on this week and what are you excited for? 
I have a couple massive threads. So lucky and so happy that we did this running back mock draft with Ronnie because I have tons of running back stuff going out again this week. A massive thread on my biggest takeaways from the NFL draft and who you need to draft in your redrafts and dynasty leagues. A lot of those guys that we are all on board with. So that's what I'm going to be focused on on this week. And then I'm also going to be doing a lot more threads and kind of players that you need to buy after these values. Like I'm looking at this board and I just sent out two Alvin Kamara trades and I'm trying, I actually just sent out a trade for Joe Mixon too, as we speak. So these guys, if your teams are all in and if you have those good teams kind of weak at running back, you got to buy these veteran guys. I'm going to be cranking out content on this stuff. So make sure you tune in at FFSnoog on Twitter and make sure you follow all three of us because we're always posting things. All the time. Hey, thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Woo! Yo, go.